Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. Father, we consider your faithfulness, your goodness. We are overwhelmed by who you are, how you have responded to us. Because, Father, we, we look at the mirror, we know we're not good. We know we certainly haven't been faithful to you. But yet your goodness never runs out. Your faithfulness endures through all generations. For who you are, God, today we praise you. And we give you not just our voices lifted up to you, Father, we give you our lives. All that we are is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. That is our offering. That is our worship to you this day. All that we are, all that we have is yours in full surrender because of who you are, because of what you've done. Father, now as we turn to the words of Jesus today, as we read this parable that Jesus told so, so many years ago, would you speak to our lives Speak this truth into our day, our week ahead. Speak this truth into who we are and how we respond to you and how we respond to the world around us. We love you. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Once again, let me say welcome to you. Glad that you are here today at Faith Christian. We look forward to, uh, to getting to spend this time together. Uh, we do exist for one reason here at Faith Christian, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. So, so as I say about every week, there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus. We want to walk with you in that journey. And so uh, as Brian mentioned earlier, you can fill out that connection card on the front page of the website. Let us know how we can walk with you, help you find your next step as a follower of Jesus. Maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is to become a part of a church like this one. Maybe your next step is to find a place to serve in or through the church. We would love to help you take your next step as you find follow Jesus as well really as we follow Jesus together I also want to mention to you that coming up in just about three weeks from now on Sunday September 12th uh, we are launching into kind of our fall theme for the year we're calling it this year welcome home that's going to begin on sub Sunday September 12th welcome home and we are excited this fall to welcome you home back here to church and those of you watching online we want to welcome some of you who haven't been back yet we want to welcome you back this fall we're also going to be welcoming you welcoming you home uh, for some of us who have walked away from God so not just welcome you home to church this fall, but we want to welcome you back home to relationship to, with, with God, our Creator, our Savior, through His Son, Jesus Christ. We want to help you, uh, again, take that step in your journey and welcome you back home uh, this fall. It's Sunday, September 12th, when we're going to kind of kick off our new theme. We'll also begin our Sunday night youth group for our middle school and high school. Our student ministry will be happening that day as well. That's when that'll begin on Sunday evenings. We're also wanting to just let you know, we'll talk more about this in the next couple of weeks, but on that Sunday, September 12th, we are bringing in a couple of young leaders um, that we have been talking to the last couple of months about joining our staff. And they will both be here on that Sunday, Sunday, September 12th, and they will be leading in our uh, kids' ministry programming on Sunday morning during our 1030 service. They'll be leading in our uh, student ministry program, programming that Sunday night at 6 o'clock. So if you've got kids, if you've got uh, children, uh, elementary age children, younger children, if you've got students, middle school, high school students in your house, we want you to be sure that just mark out the calendar now. You 
Turn in the Browns tickets, get, get a different game. Be here that Sunday, September 12th. We want your kid to be here. We want them to meet these young leaders we're bringing in as we are interviewing them and considering them for staff positions with our church. That's happening on that Sunday. So again, if you've got kids that day, we want them. We want to be sure that you have your kids here uh, for that, that particular week as we kick off our fall together, as we say welcome home to you and to those of you watching online, to those in our community who don't have yet have a church home. We want to welcome you home. Well, this morning we are still in this series we've been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we called it our Vacation Bible School series because we've been working through the same parables of Jesus this month that our children have been working on down in our kids' ministry area in our junior church time. It's the same series that we started back at the end of July with our Vacation Bible School. And we're looking at these parables of Jesus, these little stories that Jesus tells uh, scattered throughout the, the New Testament, the biographies of Jesus. Jesus uses story to help communicate some sort of truth about God, about what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God, about what the kingdom of God is like, about what it means to be his follower. He uses stories as a way for us to understand who God is. And this morning, we come to Luke chapter 15. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and flip open to Luke chapter 15. We'll have some verses on the screen behind me in just a second. But in Luke chapter 15, probably if not my favorite, one of my top three favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Luke 15, where Jesus tells three parables right in a row. We referenced these last week in the message. That's how much I love these parables. We're going to spend some time in these parables uh, when we get to the Welcome Home series next month. I love this chapter. But when we get to this, Jesus tells three stories in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Kind of machine gun rapid fire are these three stories to help us understand what God is like and who God is. And all three of these stories are similar in their form. All three of the stories, something, something has been lost. And that something that is lost is valuable. Something valuable has gone missing. The second thing that all three of these stories have in common is that which is lost, because it's valuable, it's worth looking for. It's worth looking for. And so in the story, the shepherd looked for the sheep and the lady who lost her coin looked for the coin and the father looked for the son. There's something that's valuable. That which is lost is worth a search. And then finally, the third thing that happens in all three of these stories, when the lost thing is found, there's a party. There is a celebration, which is the part of these stories that I want us to pay attention to today. The party, the celebration. Let me give you some quick notes about celebrations and how they kind of occur in our scriptures. Uh, and the idea of celebrations and parties and banquets and feasts, they're all through the Bible. Keep in mind, these stories here in Luke 15, these stories are to help us understand what God is like. On more than one occasion, here's the first thing you need to know about, about parties in the Bible. On more than one occasion, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a party. The kingdom of God that you and I get to be a part of today, that we are actively a part of God's kingdom, Jesus describes it more than once as a party. Now, often it's described in the context of a wedding party, a wedding banquet, a wedding feast. Matthew 22, verse 2, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, you need to know this. A wedding banquet was one of those lifetime events in the life of, of, of a family. That this father, especially in this first century context, this ancient culture, this father and this family would have saved up for and saved up for and saved up for and planned and planned and planned to make the wedding celebration an unbelievable, amazing, extravagant, go-all-out kind of event. Banquets, celebrations, feasts, parties, extravagant parties were things that Jesus pointed to to say, that's what the Christian life is all about. 
That's what following me is all about. That's what being a part of the kingdom of God is all about. The banquet, the extravagance. Here's the second thing you need to know about parties and banquets and celebrations in Scripture. The ultimate gathering with the Father is also described as a party. And by this I mean the ultimate gathering, the end of time, heaven, the end of time gathering with the Father is described as a party, as a celebration. If I were to take a long string and run it across this room, at one end of the string, we said this was in the beginning God created, that's the beginning, and we went all the way over to the other end of time, the other end of the string, and we said over here, this is the, the last hooray, this is the Jesus has come, we get to go home, we're going to live in heaven forever, with God forever now in heaven, that's that end of the string. The end of the string, that's the heaven end of the string, Jesus describes as a party, as a banquet, as a celebration, as a feast. The ancient words here used here give us the idea of all of us gathering around a table. All of us, not just the ones in the room, all of us gathering around a table to celebrate with our Creator God with great food. Isaiah 25, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. That immediately causes folks to go, whoa, this is a big-time party. You knew it was a big party if they had meat at the party in this ancient culture because you couldn't just like run to Bueller's and get, you know, get some ground beef. You had to raise it. You had to, to butcher it. You, it was a process. If you had meat, it was an expensive party. An aged wine, that's an expensive party. We are talking here big-time celebration. We are talking, woo-hoo! Let's play along. Can, can you make the international celebration noise with me? Just go ahead. Give me a woo-hoo. Yeah, you are a bunch of Christians, aren't you? Come on, give me, give me some celebration. Let's hear it. Woohoo! Yeah, that, is that legal to do in church? Can we do that today? Now, I want you to get a hold of that. Get a hold of that. Woohoo! Because what Jesus teaches is that what Christ has come to give us ultimately is the biggest woohoo ever. And it's going to be a feast. And who gets to be invited? Remember Isaiah's words I read a minute ago? Everyone. A feast for all nations, all people. Everyone gets invited. You mean God's going to throw open the gates of the kingdom and say, whoever will may come? That's exactly what I mean. And that's exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek or slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your heritage is. I don't care what your ancestry looks like. It doesn't matter what your education status is, what your social status is, what your economic status is, what your marital status is. You may come. You are invited to this woohoo party. Can we all do it one more time? Just say it with me. Woohoo! All right, make sure you're away. Anybody who wants can come to this great feast. Here's another thing you need to know about banquets. Banquets were contract signing events. There's a little historical background for you. Banquets were contract signing events. If you're going to make a big financial commitment in our society, you have to sign a legal contract. You'll probably sign several pages of legal contract. If you've ever bought or sold a house, you know that at the closing, you are going to sign your name 25,000 gazillion times and your hand is going to cramp. And every time you sign another piece of paper, basically what you're saying is, 
I promise to pay you. 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 Now, they didn't do that in Jesus' day. That's not the way it worked. I don't, they didn't have as many lawyers, I guess. I don't know. You know what they do? In Jesus' day, in the first century, in the ancient culture, they would have a meal. And they would sit down over a meal together. It's interesting that our English word companion, that's a good word, our English word companion comes from an ancient word that means with bread. Isn't that interesting? A companion is one with whom I break bread. So the wedding feast, we can use that imagery again, the wedding feast in the ancient culture was the bride and the groom sitting down ceremonially together with their families, all doing what? Breaking bread. Now think about that aspect of the party for just a second. And God says to you, come to my table. Oh Lord, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a mess. I haven't got my stuff figured out yet. And Jesus says, come to my table. But, but God, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready. I got so many questions. I got so many doubts. I, I've seen so much stuff I can't deal with. Come to my table. I want to break bread with you. The party, the festival, the feast of God. Oh, and let me make this clear. Fourth thing you need to know about celebrations in the Bible. God commands you to party. Yeah, yeah, he does. You are commanded in Scripture to party. God says, I know you don't want to. I know you're a bunch of Christians. You don't think you can, but you have to. God says you have to. You say the Bible does not say that. does not say that. I'm so glad you asked that question. Let me show you. Exodus chapter 5. Moses said to the Pharaoh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival, a feast, a party to me. Exodus chapter 13, verse 5. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Mosquitoites, I don't know all these ites, the land he swore to your forefathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at this last phrase. I'm about two slides down, Ryan. Give me one more, one more. Here's the last part of that verse. You are to observe this celebration. He's talking specifically here in, in Exodus, 15, or Exodus 13 about the Passover, a party, a feast, a banquet. You have to party. You have to celebrate. God says, my people will celebrate. They will woohoo because I want them to get into the rhythm of doing it. And not just once. When you study through the Old Testament, you will find that the ancient people, God's people in the Old Testament, were actually given seven different feasts celebrations, banquets that they were to, to participate in seven different times throughout the course of the year. And so you're thinking, all right, sure, I'll celebrate. Well, no. Actually, there are some of us who have a real hard time celebrating. Some of you, and you know who you are, some of you haven't woohooed once yet in this room. <laughs> I know you haven't. You see, celebration is a part of the rhythm of life that God has established for his people. Let me show you the rhythm of life. This is what, how God has wired us to live in this, in this rhythm. In Exodus 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. And the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments is all about keeping the Sabbath, a day of rest. Exodus 20, verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
What does the Sabbath day do? It establishes a rhythm of work and rest. It's part of the rhythm. The next verse, verse 9, says, Six days you shall labor. Can I get a woo-hoo? Labor. You have to work. You have to work. You have to serve. You have to do something with your life and your time. You have to work. You have to serve. God says the first part of the rhythm of life is you work. You do what you're wired to do. You serve. That's the first part. That's my first word. Serve. That's not popular, but it's biblical. We don't like it, but God says we're going to do it. He says, I want you to use your gifts. I want you to use your abilities. I want you to serve to make the world a better place. You are made to find joy and fulfillment and purpose in your life when you serve. God made you to serve, to work, but he didn't make you to work 365 days a year, which brings us to the second part of the rhythm. Look there in verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So that's part two of, your, uh, of, of, of this rhythm. We serve, number one. Number two, we Sabbath. We rest. God is saying, I want you to stop and rest. And not just you. They're, they're in Exodus 20. It says, not just you, but your servant and the people who work for you and your employees and your kids and the animals on your farm. I want you to rest. That's what Sabbath means rest god says that it is important that you sabbath and we live in a place today where it's not easy to do so we fill our days and our hours way past capacity we are constantly zipping from one thing to the next thing from here to there and god says that it is important that you sabbath but god's not done with this rhythm you serve you sabbath and the third part of the rhythm is you celebrate you celebrate now remember this is god's idea not mine this is god's idea we celebrate exodus chapter 23 verse 14 says three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me and there's a bunch of these festivals and there's feasts and these celebrations recorded in the bible Every Sabbath, which in the Jewish culture was from Friday sundown to Sunday morning sunrise, every Sabbath there's a Shabbat meal that's celebrated in homes, in Jewish and Messianic homes, even still today here, even here in Northeast Ohio, Jews and Messianic Jews celebrate a Shabbat meal on the Sabbath. It's a celebration in order to rest. Some of these celebrations in the, in the Old Testament, some of them, most of them actually had to do with the agrarian calendar, You'd celebrate when you would sow the seed, when you planted your fields. You would celebrate at the first fruits, when the first, first stuff first, first started coming um, ripe. You'd celebrate at the harvest. And Passover, which is the biggie, Passover would be a celebration, a feast where you would gather the whole family together, kind of like we do for Thanksgiving now. You'd celebrate the whole family coming together. Now, why is it that God said, I need you to practice going, woohoo? Why does God say, I need you to do this? Could he have known that all these thousands of years later we would have gotten to the place where Christians, church people, God's people, are known as the anti-party party. We don't party. We are better than that. We don't do that party. 
festivals, feasts. No, 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 not us. There are two things. I'm, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit here, I'm, but trust me, I'm stepping on mine too. I'll, I'll give you my experience as we go through this. There are two things that a bunch of you grew up not having anything to do with because you, like me, you grew up in a family of church people. One was drinking and the other was dancing. Kind of scares me now when I read that verse we read just a minute ago in the Bible where God's going to have this aged wine stuff because I don't know who's going to drink all that stuff. So, now listen, I've got to be careful here. I've got to be careful because I know that alcoholism has wrecked the lives of some people that you know and people that I know and people that I love and even within my own family. I get that. I'm not talking about the abuse of alcohol. I grew up in a house when I was a kid. My dad's a preacher, so a lot of you guys know this, where there was never any alcohol. We used, when I was a, a small child, I remember us choosing restaurants that we would go and eat based on whether or not that restaurant served alcohol or not because we were Christian people. We were church people. We didn't go to those places. My mom used to make this beer-battered um, for onion rings and mushrooms and fish and things like that, make a beer batter. She would have to have someone else go to the store to buy the beer for her because she didn't want to have the beer seen in her cart at the grocery store. That's the, the, that's the culture I grew up in. To my knowledge, my father has never had a drop of alcohol touch his lips except for maybe a, at a Lutheran church once where they use real wine instead of grape juice for communion. I, 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 it sounds silly, but he's, he told her doesn't quite describe me. And dancing? Oh my goodness, dancing? One of the greatest compliments my parents ever gave me was when I got married. In the months preceding my wedding, my parents, Fip and Sarah, some of you have met them, they went to Best Buy. They bought a DVD on how to dance so that they could learn to dance at my wedding. Now, they didn't go over to the bar, but they did get on the dance floor. <laughs> and I, that's a great compliment. Some of you, I suspect some of you were not allowed to go to your school dances. Maybe you couldn't even go to prom because you were church people. I had to beg and plead to go to my first school dance. But then I come to Luke 15. And I come across these three stories. Boom, boom, boom. All in a row. And in the first story, a shepherd finds his lost sheep. Look what happens in verse 6. He calls his friends and neighbors together and says, read the part in yellow out loud with me, would you? Rejoice with me. Celebrate woohoo with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then the next story a woman who has lost a very valuable coin after searching and turning the house upside down and searching and searching finds the lost coin, says in verse 9, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Say it with me, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then we get to the third story. And there was a man who had two sons. And one of the sons goes off the deep end and he offends everyone and he runs away. He makes a huge mess of his life. He brings great shame upon the family. The other son, he stays home. He does the right thing. He does exactly what he's supposed to do and he's just filled with all this righteous indignation at the, his stupid little brother who's run off. 
Then the young son, the one who'd left, the one who'd made a mess of everything, the young son comes home. Now remember, in this story, like all these stories, Jesus is telling these stories to help us get a better understanding of what God is like. The two sons, they represent us in so many ways. Some of us are lost because we took off. Some of us are lost because we stayed and we're just filled with righteous indignation. But in the story, who's the father represent? Well, that's the picture of God in these stories. Again, that's why Jesus told the story, to help us understand who God is. The father in the story represents God. So the young son returns. You know the story. The young son returns. The father welcomes him with open arms and throws a party Woo-hoo! a huge celebration a party look at verse 22 but the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger put sandals on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it remember the thing about meat i said a minute ago bring the fattened calf and kill it let's have a feast let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found so they began to celebrate yeah they began to celebrate say it with me woohoo woohoo and so the older brother hears the party and he is super ticked off he's mad He's mad that dad is so forgiving and so welcoming of this loser kid, this loser little brother of his. He's mad that dad's throwing the party, giving him the fatty calf. That was for his wedding. He's mad that dad's throwing the party. Look what happens, verse 25. When he came near the house, this is the, the older son. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. <clears throat> Must be that stupid little brother of mine. Must be that prodigal must be that little jerk of a little brother but then the father comes out the father comes out the father comes out where where does the father come from if the father comes out to talk to the older brother where does the where has the father been that he's coming out from from the party the father was with the music and the dancing the father comes out verse 28 The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father came out from the music, from the party, from the dancing, and pleaded with him. There are two words in this parable that really strike me every time I read this parable. Again, this is my favorite parable. Two words that really shock me. One is the word run. Back in verse 20, when the the son comes home, we have this picture of the father running to meet the son who's been lost. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. The word, just, I get chills, just think about it. The other word that shakes me every time I read it is this word, pleaded. Your translation may say begged. That's a good word too. Begged, pleaded. The father comes out and begs his older son, please, 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 please come to the party. Please, 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 please come and dance. Please, 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 please come and celebrate. The father goes so far as to say in verse 32, read the part in orange with me, or in yellow with me, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. 
I once heard a preacher describe how he gauges the singing time, the worship time at his church. He says it like this. He says, I ask myself, when we sing, when we praise God together, does it feel like a family who got horrible, horrible news that their child, who was away from them, had been killed in a terrible accident? And so the family grieves and they mourn and they cry and they get the family together and they get the travel arrangements made and it takes them a day to get there and it takes them another day to make all the arrangements and on the third day when they are preparing to go to the funeral home on the hotel room door and they open the door and there stands the child oh mama oh daddy I'm so sorry there was a horrible mistake there was a horrible mess up I'm fine I'm okay now you tell me what those parents do. Do they say, well, all right, that's good. Let's go home. Let's, uh, let, let's head for the house. No, 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 no. What do they do? They celebrate. They woohoo. They have a party. Come here. Let me hug you. They jump up and down. Their faces are flooded with tears of joy. They dance. Even without the music, they dance. Wow. They party like it's going out of style. They spare no expense. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a meal that no one ever imagined, and I'm not going to worry about how much it costs, and I'm not going to worry about if I'm embarrassed about the way I'm acting because I'm excited because the dead live. That is worth the woohoo. That is worth the celebration. That is worth the party. You cannot miss it. In all three of these stories, when the lost was found, there was a party when the lost was found, there was a celebration. Jesus says in verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is saying there is unrestrained, woohoo, joy, celebration, party from one end of heaven to the other when one lost person finally realizes and cooperates with God's search for them and repents and turns in his direction. You are loved. Get, get this in your head. You are loved so much that when you respond to God, God commands all of heaven to come to a screeching halt and there's a party for you. Can I get a woohoo? Woohoo! It's overwhelming to me to think that on a warm spring Friday night many, many, many years ago in a little church in Johnson City, Tennessee, when my father baptized me, that there was a party in heaven and the name on the banner said Larry Sands. And there was a party in heaven for many of you. And when that sinks in, that they threw a party in heaven for you, when that sinks in, this isn't going to just be theology anymore. This becomes reality. And it will overwhelm you. And you will think, wow, God really does love me, doesn't he? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for throwing a party for us, for loving us so much that when we say yes to you, you say, let's party. Let's celebrate when even one 
comes. Father, for those in this room, for those watching this broadcast today that haven't yet had that party, that haven't yet said yes to you, accepted you on your terms for who you are, have not yet realized their love for you, God, I pray for them today that you would do a work in their hearts through your Holy Spirit, working in their hearts and minds to stir them, to turn them towards you, towards the Father who runs, to the Father who's ready to throw a celebration with their name on the banner. Father, for those of us who have already said yes to you, and as we move now to this time of communion, as we are invited to your table, Father, remind us of how big your love is that threw a party for us, of how big your love is that went to a cross so that we could come home to you. Father, as we eat and we drink these communion emblems today, as we celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus, would you stir in us a reminder of your great love for us? Like a shepherd who finds a sheep, like a woman who found her lost coin, like a father who runs to welcome home his lost child. Father, let us rest in that assurance of your great love and your celebration for us as we eat and we drink around your table today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.